Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, good evening to you. How are you? I, I'm I'm good. Uh, I've just been on my uh, mini tour. Uh, I went up to Liverpool yesterday because uh, I've, I've bought an apartment there Ooh, at last. Get you. Uh, yes, yeah, because the Baroness... Um, when, when she saw the hotels I was staying, <laughs> which are, and, and I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm a bloke. I, I genuinely do not care if it's got Wi-Fi and it's got a shower. That's the rest. And she'd always say, "Well, send me a photograph of, of the hotel you're staying in." And, and she said, "Why did you choose that one? It looks awful." I said, "Because it was the cheapest." So she's forced me to buy somewhere. Um, so yeah, uh, and, and I bought it a few months ago, and of course I've done absolutely nothing. Since then, so I, she so she marched me up to uh, measure it up for you know things which she considers to be important, like you know beds and sofas and furniture and all that type of nonsense. As uh, as otherwise, she starts to fret about me. Mm, she doesn't do anything by half measures, does she, the Baroness? Does he, <laughs> no. If that was Ali, Ali would say, "Why don't you get yourself a slightly nicer hotel room rather than you've got to buy a flat?" It's as simple as that. Um, why don't you do, Kieran? What? Uh, who was the football owner that just sent, or the potential club owner that just sent pictures of somebody else's house? Pretended that was his. Sent, <laughs> you could have just sent. Why don't you just send Baroness pictures of the Kardashians' house and say, "This is where I'm staying, Bally." I, I should have. I should have thought that. That that could have saved me a, a few bob, to put it yeah. mildly. Who was it? I can't remember. Who was that? It was one of the guys that was thinking of buying Derby County. Oh I think. yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, yes. I know. I know you had a nice time. I saw you in your. I was going to say in your little dicky, Kieran, but I know that will get you sniggering your your lovely little dicky bow in your formal tuxedo at the PFA gig that turned out not to have a plus one. How was that? It was. It was very good. Um, I was sat behind Matt Letizier, so I was picking up. <laughs> I, I was pick. I was picking up vibes of flat Earth. Um, to, uh, uh, and you know, there was Alan Shearer there, and Tony Cotty, and yeah. Brian Robson, and uh, yeah, Erling Haaland. So it's so very good, and saw saw lots of friends of the show. Um, so yeah. yes, it was it was great fun. I I, I just love the idea that the, the room seems a little bit flatter because Matt Letizier's in it. <laughs> well, the, the ball just keeps rolling to the edge. It just, yeah, yeah. Um, lots of news today, Kieran, for our mm-hmm. uh, news pod. Um, uh, and one of it, it, I'm afraid, is an object lesson in never ever to say anything out loud that remotely includes the word Southend United and optimistic, as we did last week, unfortunately. Um, but we start, Kieran, with some very breaking news. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. It's about 10 past seven. Um, and some breaking news about shenanigans in the Europa Conference games already, Kieran. Yes, um, we we spoke, I think, last week with regards to 
uh, the, the betting companies have very sophisticated monitoring systems and that they need that uh, from, from their point of view to uh, ensure that they don't get taken advantage of with regards to uh, betting patterns. And it looks as if um, that a couple of the very early matches in the Europa Conference League have spiked a bit of interest. And yeah, part of me says, well, this, this is surely a function of if you're going to take wages on matches where people are either not say unpaid but paid a pittance or paid just over a pittance then there will be people approaching players at the match to perhaps persuade them to do x or y and that uh, appears to be the case so uh, the 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 betting authorities there they, they will see that there's been a number of bets placed in a you know tends to be quite a small location or a, uh, a number of bets placed placed simultaneously um, and I think one of these uh, involves an Albanian team another one's from North Macedonia and then this is not casting uh, aspersions about the integrity of people from those countries you know, we, we've seen it in other sports you know we're both big cricket fans you know we know some of the spot fixing issues which have taken place uh, in relation to cricket or also in relation to snooker it is uh, it, it is an issue and we, we've always said that despite we know when we go to matches there are significant gaps in terms of the finances and the resources of different clubs in in different competitions um, we still assume that there's integrity as far as those those games are concerned and therefore there's a, there's a chance of an upset and if things are being organized in advance that that just takes away some of the love of the game and you might say oh we don't care you know who, who it's it's an Albanian team or North Madisonian team well if it starts to work there then then it can start to work elsewhere I think there's, there's a much broader issue is why are the gambling companies taking wages on matches which are relatively minor? Because you know, if, if I was doing a risk assessment as an outsider, I would say you don't have to offer a lot of money in order to make it very worth an individual player's while to uh, to take some additional funding to... You know, and you don't need to go and bribe a whole team. You, you can... You know, it, it's. Uh, I think it's. It's probably more than one player involved, but you know, you get three or four, then then, then you can certainly have an influence on things. So, wait, wait and see. Um, you know, you, you you like to hope in football that it is uh, above that type of thing, but you know, given where we are in society and a much broader issue these days, um, it, it it's it's not surprising. It's just meh. It, it, it seems, Kieran, that with every transfer window that passes, we come up with the unsurprising news that more money was spent in this one than the last one. But already, Kieran, it's not even closed yet. And already Premier League clubs have spent a, a sum so astronomical. I think I, sh- I should leave the country's leading football finance expert to, to spell it out for us. Well, unfortunately, the Swiss Ramble couldn't make the call, but instead... <laughs> this, um... co- this country's leading football finance expert, Kieran. <laughs> okay. Not the, ex- uh, not, not the exile. Um, 
yes, we, we've gone through the two billion pound barrier already, and does it is it any more significant than one point nine billion, which was the was the previous record? Um, y- yes and no. I think what's more interesting is what is driving the market. And if you do any form of analysis, you can look at the what's, but I always think it's more interesting to identify the why's. You know, what are the causes of, of so much money being spent? Chelsea, think, Chelsea, Kieran. I'm going to go. Well, 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 well there, there is a Chelsea. Yes, that was going to come up sort of one of the issues. You know, new owners. You know, and we yeah. do have new owners at Chelsea. We also have new owners at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, so, so Newcastle in a position to spend. We've got new owners at Bournemouth, um, and these these owners want to have a strategy of spending money. But another thing is, these clubs are probably receiving more money um, than before, which allows them to spend. Because if we then look at the concept, yeah, we, we know through amortisation, if you sell a player for £50 million, you, you can effectively buy players for £250 million on five years' contracts, and that gives you, um, you know, an identical position as far as your your FFP calculations are concerned in terms of player trading. So where's the money coming from? The money's coming from Saudi Arabia. So that allows the selling clubs. And who are we looking in terms of selling clubs? We've got selling clubs in the form of Manchester City, uh, Chelsea, uh, yeah, uh, Liverpool, and those clubs have been quite active in the markets. That's uh, allowed those clubs to to invest significant sums. Um, the other issue, as far as I observe, is fear. And what do clubs fear most? Well, the big six stroke big seven. You know, I, th- I think Newcastle are, are moving into play with regards to that. Um, they fear not qualifying for the Champions League. And in particular, the Champions League for 2024-2025 is going to be more lucrative than ever because we've got the Swiss-style model, you've got more home games taking place, there's more prize money, there's more sponsorship income, there's more match days. So you've got to be in it, not to win it, but you've got to be in it to to pick up all of those financial benefits. Well, Well, seven into four doesn't go. So... Therefore, how do you try to ensure that you're one of the four? The simple solution is to spend money. Equally, the Premier League has been very successful. So therefore, the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is growing ever faster, even with parachute payments. So what do you want to do? You want to avoid relegation. How how can you increase your chances of avoiding relegation? It's by spending money. And those clubs who are in the championship, they want to get a slice of this bigger than ever Premier League pie. How do they achieve that? Well, they spend money. So can you see that every club has got this incentive to to overspend? 18 out of the 20 clubs in the Premier League are losing money. They only make a little bit of that back or all of that back if they sell a few players. But operationally, 18 out of 20 clubs in the Premier League are losing money. So all of this contributes towards this cycle of spend, spend, spend. And you know, Brighton have spent a record amount of money this, this summer. Well, why is that? Because they've sold 
Caicedo and they've sold McAllister, which means that they've got money to spend, so they spend. Uh, you know, it, it, and that's the way that the system works. And, and even you know, the, the what you might call the, the mid tier teams are, are spending far more than ever before. Well, all but one, Kieran, because uh, every Palace fan listening to this will be keen to point out that right down the bottom of that spending table of the two billion pound, Palace so far has spent twenty million. Uh, on a player who got injured in his first training session and is out until probably December, which uh, pretty much sums it up as the way we run the club. But I'm sure, as uh, Twitter has suggested to various people at Palace, that uh, we need apparently we need seven new players, Kieran. I think time's probably run out on getting seven but, new players in. Uh, and- but Palace have probably got less incentive than any other club because they always finish 12th. Yeah, no matter what we do, yeah, yeah. And the, the fact that Palace fans are genuinely upset that Lukaku uh, went to Roma and not Palace, as they said. One, one time last week, Kieran, according to social media, we were signing uh, Draxler, Eden Hazard and Romelu Lukaku on combined wages of £258,000 a week, which is, uh, I think, just for Lukaku. The other two would have been playing for nothing. <laughs> uh, the, the, considering, Kieran, uh, still on the Premier League, considering that people have recently gone to prison uh, for illegal streaming of matches, this this next promise from the Premier League seems to be uh, a strange one. Yes, it, it does. Um, piracy is is growing, and I would certainly recommend if anybody gets a chance to listen to the podcast, uh, the Pirates versus the Premier League, because it's actually quite a a nuanced uh, debate and it's, I think it's five episodes uh, and I've, I've listened to every one and, and it's, I think it was very fair to get both sides of the view. The, the Premier League is in a very awkward position um, because I, I actually put, I think this was an article in the Times, I actually put this up uh, that the Premier League was trying to increase uh, the the attacks on pirates, and remember, it was a private prosecution. You know, it, people saying, "Well, you know, you know, there's there's shoplifting taking place, which goes effectively on on challenge now by the authorities. Uh, other crimes are, are very very poor in, in terms of detection rates. So, why are we spending? Why are we wasting money? This is the Premier League's money. It it is paid effectively for private investigators to do this." And I, I put this article up on social media and I was, I don't think I was shocked, but I, I was surprised at probably 98, 99% of the reaction was hostile towards the Premier League in the sense that they, the, what people were saying is that there, there's a number of issues. First of all, the 3 p.m. blackout. People saying, I, I want to watch my favourite team play on a Saturday afternoon. Not all of the matches of the Premier League are available. So therefore, I'll use an alternative method of doing it. And, and, I'm, and I've, I'm sort of a bit ambivalent about that. You know, if if there's a match which I can't get to, I'll listen to the radio. I, I don't I don't need to see it. You know, if you, if you, so, so I, I, I'm, I'm not overly sympathetic. You know, you still get to see your team play fairly often in all probability, especially if it's one of the bigger teams. The next issue was one of price, and I think this is a genuine uh, grumble from fans. You can watch the Premier League in the United States and see every single match for you know, a pretty modest sum of money. 
Um, whereas we we know that if you want to watch the maximum available, you'll have to have a Sky subscription. You'll have to have a TNT sports subscription. You'll have to have Amazon Prime. And that will still give you just over half of the games. Yes, it will also allow you, of course, to see the, the Champions League and the uh, European matches as well. But it, it all works out. You, you're not going to get much much change out of a grand. Whereas Big Dave down the pub, who's got a dodgy fire stick, can do that for you know, whatever it costs. And, you know, and again, I've, I've not got one of the fire sticks. I'll be honest. If I wasn't doing this show, I'd probably be tempted to do it because I've got loads of friends who have, and, and they say, yeah, if you don't get it, you're an idiot. But I, I just don't I don't think it would be appropriate for me to go down that particular route. And also what my friends say is that, well, I do have Sky and, and I, I do have BT Sport, but because I can't see all of the matches, I've ended up going down this this particular route. And, and that's that's where the I think the Premier League is in a very tricky position because – one of, the, one of the things it could do would be to start to prosecute individuals who are streaming. Now, if, if you've got a, a virtual private network of your VPN, the chances are you, you, you'd be difficult to spot. But if, you, if the Premier League get to uh, see the, the details of, of the hackers, the chances are that they've got your credit card number and your address and they could trace you down through that particular route. Um, if the Premier League goes down the route of prosecuting individuals for downloading you get to the position that we had in the united states when they went down to similar positions and you know the 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 billion the billion pound or the billion dollar industries were prosecuting 12 year old kids who were were sharing music and so on so i I think the premier league doesn't want to grasp that particular nettle of it's overpriced and if you get the pricing right, people will shift from illegal sources to legal sources. And we've seen that with the music industry. But the downside of the music industry, I mean, you've, you've, got, you've got friends you, you know, in, in the world of, of music entertainment, given, given your background in, in the broader entertainment industry, is that musicians don't make any money from Spotify. They don't make any money from Apple Music unless, unless they are at the stratospheric level. And that's why... We, we see so many musicians now having to tour more and more often. And that's why we're also seeing prices for musical events going up and up and up. So if we, if we move to a cheaper model for TV, will that result in more expensive tickets? And, and certainly when I've been looking at a sort of a connected issue of variable pricing for, for individual matches in the U.S., where you, you're paying up for you know two two and a half thousand dollars to see Lionel Messi, do we want that coming into the Premier League as well? So it's it's a very messy situation. The Premier League is trying to protect its intellectual property, but there's no doubt that there is a surge as far as uh, demand and supply is concerned for piracy, and there is a feeling amongst many users that this is a victimless crime. The Premier League is always keen to say, well, hold on, you know, a lot of the, the people involved are, are organised crime. You and I, when we were 16 and 17 and we were home taping the, the, the top 40 and John Peel shows, we were accused of, of similarly supporting 
uh, uh, yeah, organised crime, and, and, it, and it didn't tend to wash with us then. And unfortunately, from the Premier League's point of view, I don't think it's washing with the audience today either. Well, there was also there was a huge market for bootleg tapes of concerts, wasn't there, that people had, had recorded and then sold down at the market. Um, if Johnny Depp was in it, Kieran, I think I might watch Pirates versus the Premier League. Um, I can't believe that I, I was assumed as soon as you mentioned that podcast, you were about to say you'd been on it. So it's one of the few that you haven't been. Um, I, I don't know what a fire stick is. I wouldn't recognise one if I saw it. I'm also... Uh, it, even if Palace are on telly, I'm too nervous to watch away games. And if I'm not, if I can't get to the game, I can't watch it on telly. I have to go and pay somewhere. But as, as you say, this idea of it being a victimless crime, I, I, I would suspect that 90% of our listeners will recognise this scenario around 2.45 on an away day when someone on a WhatsApp group, uh, a group of people that are law-abiding, uh, honest people, someone will go, does anyone know of a stream? And then everybody will suggest a different way of watching the game illegally, unlawfully. And it wouldn't occur to any of them that they're actually committing a crime. You know, in, this, in the same way, it's the old cliche about insurance. I'll put another camera on the insurance claim because they can afford it. It's, it's just one of those things that people don't acknowledge that they're doing wrong unless somebody else is doing it, is the case, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and I think with changes in in legislation that the Premier League has been working alongside government it's actually now quite difficult to watch a streamed version from a website yeah. of, of a football game so that's why the the pirates are are, are one step ahead uh, because they they employ people who are smart because the the potential financial rewards are so significant yeah we are talking millions um the the gang that were put down through the private prosecution of the premier league i think they went down for around about 30 years yeah. between them and again that provokes a reaction along the lines of you've got yeah we're not we're not condoning it but the the critics will say well these people are getting longer sentences than people who are committing physical assault and yeah. worse on an individual basis does this mean that the law is there to protect the rich? And there's not a, a lot of sympathy towards the Premier League or the people that play in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, of course, when yeah, we, we go back to our previous uh, topic, if our football side isn't spending money, we're all cheesed off. So yeah, we want it both ways. We we want we want to have modesty in terms of wages, modesty in terms of. Um, what is being charged by the broadcasters. And at the same time, we want clubs to increase their losses through buying more players and paying higher wages because you don't want to lose your best players and you want to recruit the best. And it's that paradox that we currently op operate within. The story in Spain, Kieran, is just getting... Uh, stranger and stranger and I think I should pause here to say that we both or at least I used to have and you do have this the sort of mother that would go on hunger strike to protect their son uh, shortly after battering us for doing it in the first place um, and let's face it people are laughing about that woman going on hunger strike but it's you know it's not dissimilar from what the royal family did to keep Prince Andrew out of trouble is it to be perfectly honest 
But the story itself, I mean, the fact that, <laughs> I mean, it must be one of the strangest things any football federation has ever said to UEFA, basically. this was, Spain basically asked for themselves to be expelled, didn't they? Yes, this this is uh, staggering. So, so there's been a series of events with regards to Rubiales. Uh, as, as you rightly said, her, her, his mother, I think, locked herself, well, not to locked herself, but went into a church sure, yeah. and, and went on hunger strike. And uh, did, did you know my mum used to be a nun? <laughs> I did not know that, Kieran. Oh right, well, yeah, there no, you go. I am um... Cl- clearly she she's she stopped being a nun because otherwise I wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah, she's quite clearly cured. Uh, yes, I don't know if that's a word. Do you cure me? Uh, Denunt. I'm not sure what it. I, De-nunt. I don't know myself. De- I, 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 there's there's a habit joke in there somewhere, Kieran. But yes. I, I'm, I'm not going to be one. Oddly enough, there's a comedian on the circuit who I I don't think I should name because his mum used to be a nun. Um, and I I didn't think I'd ever come across that scenario. I mean, I'm afraid I've used all my jokes up on him. That's um, <laughs> right. Anyway, also, I mean, just we we're we're both uh, you know, some of us are more ex-Catholic than the others, but. There's food in the church. We we know we if you know where to look, there's snacks to be had in the church. Clear, basically, <laughs> there are there are yes, yeah. a bit a bit of bread. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so you know, uh, Senorita Rubiales will will always defend her son. And of yes, I think there's a bit of there is comic levity involved in that. But what surprises me. Is that uh, was it called? It's called RF the or RF, RFEF, the the Spanish uh, the Spanish authorities yes. have decided to go down there. They are willing to sacrifice the Spanish national team, which has international fixtures coming up in a couple of weeks. They are willing for Real Madrid and Barcelona and Sevilla and Atletico, you know, some of the giants of, of football, some very successful clubs at, at all levels within Europe, um, to, to, to be able to be effectively suspended and miss out on this year's Champions League to defend somebody whose position does look untenable. Some, I think some of the regional parts of, of Spanish football, they don't like him but he seems to have this this close-knit gang who are defending him to the hilt in in what does appear to be a fairly indefensible position uh, what's the, pausing here only to say that if only we had some sort of uh babble type learning app where we could pronounce these spanish names properly what's what's the logic kieran of what essentially is the spanish fa asking to be, on, on what grounds did they think they should be expelled? And what do they think is gained from them being expelled? Well, I, th- I think if we look at the second question first, at present, there has been very little support for Rubiales from the senior clubs in Spain. Yeah. And Good. Yeah. therefore, by going down this particular route, I think they're hoping that uh, faced with a potential expulsion from the Champions League this year, Real Madrid and Barcelona might do a 180. Uh, and, and to be fair, at present, they're saying nothing. I see. And all okay. of a sudden, they say, well, well, actually, we do support him because right. okay. if, if we do support him, we've got a greater chance of, of playing within Europe. Um, but I, I don't see that going down. The noises which are coming from UEFA, we, we do have one or, one or two contacts there these days, they say, yeah, we just, we'll just choose to ignore that particular request because we're not sure on what grounds. Yeah. The, the Spanish... 
authorities are self-reporting. The, the only way that UEFA and, or, and stroke FIFA, and, and FIFA have suspended Rubiales, the only way that they can be suspended is if there is evidence of government interference with the, the running of the Spanish Football Federation. And there appears to be none, apart from the Spanish government saying, well, we don't particularly want to be associated <laughs> with you either. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a strange one. You you just think there is an inevitable outcome here, and it's an, the outcome that should have happened as soon as you didn't apologise immediately. But that's for a later pod. I, I mean, this is a strange one, Kieran. Just in the course of today, Nottingham Forest's new kit sponsorship deal appears to be coming apart at the seams. Yes, uh, you know, we are almost into September, so we've had three rounds of fixtures, and I, th- I think it's the first time I can recall that we've actually had two sides who have um, not managed to uh, get themselves a sponsor, and Chelsea's the other one, of course. Um, but th- this morning, Wednesday morning, Nottingham Forest uh, announced a front-of-shirt deal with an organisation called Kai Yun Sports. And uh, it described in the press release that Kai Yun Sports are a, and I quote, a prominent Asian digital sports platform. And I'm going, that sounds sort of vaguely techish. Um, there was no mention that Kai Yun Sports is actually a gambling company. So, you know, what, why are Nottingham Forest so keen to? not be transparent. That seems very strange. We also have the Premier League a few months ago getting out its own trumpets and saying, we're getting rid of front of shirt deals from uh, from uh, 25, 26. And he said, actually, it's the end of 25, 26. So it's yeah, 26, 27. So, um, so it's allowing clubs to sign, in, in the case of Nottingham Forest, a two-year deal. So this went up on the on the Forest Twitter account. It then appeared to come down off the Forest Twitter account, but it does. I've checked the Forest website and it's up there. Um, and of course, we've got some excellent journalists, the likes of Philippa Clare and Josimar, the likes of um, uh, Martin Calladine, who, you know, th- these people are, are, are really good Rottweilers. And they go, well, we've done some work and we've taken a look at uh, Kai Young Sports and, and it appears to be controlled by a guy that doesn't have any record. Uh, it appears to have a Hong Kong HQ and is supposedly registered in the British Virgin Islands. And all of the you know, the alarm bells are just going left, off left, right and centre. Doesn't actually appear to have what you might call a normal uh, corporate structure. Um, there's now appears to be an indication that Kaiyun Sports is in fact connected uh, as a brand reboot of an organisation called Yabu. Uh, again, if, if I could speak Mandarin or uh, better, I could pronounce that correctly. If only if only there was an app available <laughs> to help me in that particular scenario. Um, and by all accounts, Yabu itself was subject to a police operation in China with regards to its activities. Gambling is illegal in China. Um, and I think the, the attitude of some people possibly in China is not dissimilar to that of people who choose to um, use alternative means of watching Premier League football. Uh, so it's 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 not looking good. Why has Nottingham Forest 
apparently failed to do any due diligence into the background of this organization because then you might think that it might have got reached a, a different conclusion in terms of signing this deal. Although it will claim, well, hold on, you know, Kayan Sports, it's got connections to Real Madrid, it's got connections to other football clubs as well in terms of uh, you know, being the official digital sports partner or whatever it is, or sleeve sponsors on, in some cases. Um, but it, Forrest are, are looking as if they've got a bit of egg on the face uh, with with some of the some of the, t- the stories that are coming out, can, can I can I get to use the phrase Kieran blinded by the check? Can I say that this time? <laughs> you certainly yeah, can. Yeah. Um, t- to be fair to Forest fans as well, Kieran, a, a lot of the not necessarily negative reaction, but a lot of the queries about the deal did come from Forest fans when it was. I, I'm sure when Forest put the tweet up, they expected lots of well done congratulations, but there were a lot of Forest fans who were basically going, "Hang on, who are these people?" And they seem to be a gambling company. So if mm. if Forest fans could find that out in a very short space of time, then Forrester Club should have been able to do so. Uh, you may be able to hear some extraneous noises in the background. That's because uh, Ed uh, has decided to cook in the kitchen. Ed's a very good cook, but he's what I would call a, a flamboyant cook. Uh, he's the sort of cook who needs some kind of Italian opera music uh, as a as a... If, if it was a video, he would have loud music. He's, there's lots of going on. There's lots of stuff being dropped from heights and distances. So that's what's happening. I'll let you know what he's cooking by the smell that comes through. Um, and Ali's about to come home with three stage managers, so it's going to get even more noisy. But there you are. Out, out, this is all by way of putting off the next story, Kieran, I have to say, which I almost feel that we're kind of responsible for this because we did we, we spoke at the weekend about there possibly being not light at the end of the tunnel, but the, the suggestion of light at the end of the tunnel for both Reading and South End. And it, it, it seems to use the cliche that the light at the end of the tunnel for South End was an oncoming train. Yes. Uh, the National League have got fed up with Ron Martin and therefore they have uh, crystallised a, effectively a threatened 10 points penalty. What did happen was that Southend United did have an outstanding sum of money, which was due to HMRC. That has not been fully paid, as we spoke recently. They've now got... The countdown clock has started, and this is the proper countdown clock. The judges said you've got 42 days. I'll be honest, I'm still positive with regards that a solution can be found. No thanks to Ron Martin, but I just feel that there is enough goodwill and enough good people connected directly or indirectly to the club who have got nothing to do with Ron Martin, who, and he will, he will play brinksmanship with them because that's what he does, but who will get something over the line eventually. Until then, it's it's a god awful mess. Um, yeah, I believe that today they they actually turned down an offer for one of their players. So you know, the, the, on an operational level, they they still seem to be doing okay. They're getting fantastic crowds for the sixth tier of English football, but uh, sorry, the fifth tier of English football. But you know, ten, a ten point hit has has put them at the bottom of the national league. And the the problem is, Kier. Well, there were two problems. Even if the there's been talk of an Australian uh, takeover. Even if that were to happen tomorrow and all debts were cleared, uh, 
the 10-point deduction isn't going to be um, put back, is it? And the fact is that that 10-point deduction, if anything, is more likely to put off any potential takeover. So I'm not, I'm not, of course, not blaming the National League for doing it. I don't think they had any option but to do so. But by doing so, they've made they've made it almost even more likely that Southend are going to be in the, the worst possible situation. Yes and no. Um, I feel that the National League have, have had to act and we've always put forward this argument that it's the fans, it's the yeah, players, yes, it's yes, the coaches yeah. who are the professionals or the people who love the club. They end up getting punished. Surely there must be some way of, of addressing this and changing the rules to uh, make sure that the owners are the, the people who are targeted. But of course, who sets the rules? It's the owners. So you're not going to have turkeys voting for Christmas with regards to that particular issue. If I was bidding for Southend United, I would simply factor that into the price. It's a bit like if you're buying a house and it's, it's got you know it's, it's got a few cracked windows. You say, well, they're going to need replacing, so therefore I'm going to bid less than the asking price. Well, Southend United now have a, a significantly higher chance of relegation to the National League South. These are for financial repercussions. That's going to be reflected take it or leave it wrong. And you'll have to see how, how his response is. But he's, he's, a, he's a wily old fox. He's, he knows how to delay and how to take people into the utter depths of misery without a seeming care in the world from his point of view either. Well, also, and I suppose from the, the National League's point of view, they'll be saying that they're meeting, well, there's no point finding Ron Martin £100,000 because he won't pay it. Or yeah. you know, And then we'll have to deduct them 10 points or more anyway. Uh, meanwhile, Kieran, at the Women's National League, um, huge events going on there. Yes. Um, the Women's National League consists of, uh, I think it's six divisions. It's it's below the WSL and the Championship. It's effectively what you know, the, the, the lower tiers, but it's still got clubs such as Newcastle, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Burnley. I think Newcastle are the only full-time club yeah, at that level. In, the, yeah. uh, in the National League. And the whole of the, the management committee resigned en masse uh, a few days ago. And this was in response to their decision to have the start of the season coincide with the final of the FIFA Women's World Cup, where England are playing. Now, you've got many players who are playing at that level. Now, they've they played against potentially in cup competitions or they aspire to be playing in the WSL. They're, they're proud to be, be England supporters as well as uh, you know, semi-professional or amateur or even some you know, full-time professional players. And they wanted to see the match. So this, this appeared to be a bit of a tinier decision um, by the management committee who have taken the criticism Badly, I think they did say to the clubs, "If, if you want to, if you want to reschedule these matches, you know, we're not going to kick up a fuss." But they they didn't really appear to show very much leadership. They came in for a stick, and they said, "Well, hold on, you know, you, you know Kevin, what it's like as, as a trustee of an organisation. We do these things for affection and love. It's, it's an unpaid job, and if you're getting a load of grief, the the incentive to walk away." becomes um, greater and greater. And that appears to be the position. So it looks as if the Football Association is now going to step in 
But of course, yeah, the Football Association does have full-time staff and therefore there will be a you know, coming out of a budget and we'll have to recruit more people to do this. So that's money which is effectively being incurred on the administrative side of things as opposed to the playing side of things, which which is a shame. Um, but it's yeah, we, we often talk about unintended consequences and yeah, an unintended consequence of the fantastic achievement of the Lionesses in getting to the World Cup final is that the lower tiers of uh, the women's game are now uh, a bit rudderless. It, it was a strange decision in the first place, though, Kieran, mm. not just from the players' point of view, but I, I'm, I'm guessing that crowds at that level are probably in the hundreds. Um, and, and I, I, I love Palace. I, you know, I love Palace is where you... Confusingly, love Brighton, Kieran. But if if England were to be in the World Cup final, and Palace were playing Brentford at the same time, I'm I'm guessing that I would probably want to watch England in the World Cup final. And yeah. that that's what will have happened. They would have been playing in front of virtually only the most diehard of, of fans at those clubs. So it was a strange decision in the first place, and one that was always going to adversely affect the women's national league. Yes, and, and the date of the final was known well in advance. Yes, we didn't know that England would get that far in the tournament, but they are the European champions. They they are cert- they were certainly one of the favourites. And it was fairly evident from the knockout phases and the way things were working, so from the group stages, that some of the other big hitters in the tournament weren't necessarily going to proceed, which increased the chances of England participating in the final, which, of course, they did. So, you know, I, I talk about this issue of, of success of any organisation being down to three elements, uh, you know, resources, opportunities and decision-making quality of the decision making here does appear to be a little wry I'm, I'm not the only person who made this suggestion Kieran because if I was I would have been telling you about it a long time ago because that's a very rare situation for me to be in but many people said well delay the kickoff for two hours open the the, the, the social club or the bar or whatever show the game on a big screen both sets of fans can can get in and watch it with the players and then play the game afterwards and you make it a, a social occasion and the club makes a little bit more money off the bar as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I used to play cricket at you know, decent club level at in, in, uh, in Lancashire and Cheshire. And that's what we would do. I, I, I certainly remember in, uh, in, in 1996 during the Euros, I think England were playing Scotland and we just decided to have an, elongated tea for yeah. 90 minutes yeah. for that match where Paul Gascoigne scored that goal. Yeah. The umpires bought into it. We started the match half an hour earlier. Second innings was a bit wobblier than usual because... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, I was uh, I was filming at Bath Racecourse that day, uh, bizarrely, and uh, the, I think whatever race, the 3.30 race, was delayed by about 10 minutes because the jockeys were all watching the football on the big screen. They had to be chivied along. Uh, I, I, I dread to think what the Prowler would want to watch on the big screen during an elongated <laughs> tea break. We started with a gambling story, Kieran, and midway through our news pod, we have a lot of news to get through, as I say, we have another one, and this one involves the FA and yellow cards. 
yes, we, we mentioned spot fixing earlier, and this is an area where a player can have 100% control uh, to a large extent. Can't, can't force the referee to give you a yellow card, but players know what they have to do realistically to get one. Kick the ball away. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it these days. Yeah. Um, and it's it's tempting. So, again, you've got to look at all of the stakeholders here. First of all, you know, from the play, players aren't necessarily doing it to make money out of this themselves, but you know, they might have friends and acquaintances put put money on me to get a yellow card in the in the seventieth minute. Now, the player might just say that to one person. Yeah. But then, of course, we we fall into the court of WhatsApp, and you you say you say to one of your mates, yeah, yeah, you know, seventy third between the seventieth and seventy fifth minute. I tell you what, you know, stick stick a tenner on me, and then of course one, and it's 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 always the case, isn't it? I'm not a I'm not a telltale. It's the person I tell that's a telltale <laughs> when they pass it on, and and then things become viral. Yeah, um, and you you can understand why the football authorities are feeling uncomfortable about this. And from the gambling company's point of view, they just want to make money. And you know, to a certain extent, they they have, I wouldn't say they brought it upon themselves, but by making it so easy to gamble and to give such a wide book uh, of available bets, it is creating the opportunity for people to do the wrong thing. Mm. I'm very upfront with people, Kieran. If, if people say to me, "Can you keep a secret?" I'd say, "No, no, I really can't. Don't tell." This is why my mate who works at Palace won't tell me anything because he knows that he won't have stopped breathing before it's out on Twitter. So he does. It's just easier not to. I, I prefer not to know, Kieran. To be perfectly honest, and then I can't get myself into trouble because, yeah, if you've got a secret, what's what's the point? You, no point it's a, a secret. secret. There's it's, a reason why it's a secret. It's, exactly. But there's no. But you don't, yeah, but you want to share it. You want to, you want people to know how important you are that you know the secret. That's that's hence the millions of tweets from people who claim to know the secret of who Bradford are buying on Friday when they haven't got a clue. Uh, West Brom fans, Kieran, are beginning to lose their patience, and you can't blame them, can you? Yes. So uh, our friend Ali Jones, who who set up Action for Albion, yeah, uh, I'm I'm in contact with Ali. On a regular basis, uh, he, uh, he he sends me ideas and photos and, and uh, yeah, emails. Like, and he's you know, very, very you committed. Know, you notice he sends them to you, Kieran, not to me. And you know why? Because I would tell everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but this weekend, there there is another protest. And what I really admire about the campaign is that it's it, it's gone down the route that I... I, I would always embrace, which is nonviolent, direct action, be funny, be different. Um, we, we, so what they're going to do is in the 12th minute um, of the next home match, which is this weekend, they've got 10,000 posters. And the posters say, full sale out of our club to the owner. And they're all going to show them for a minute. And they're still going to support West Bromwich Albion because they all love the club. And it's a way of drawing attention. And it, and I would always say it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, I think I think it was the South End United fans who who threw tennis balls on the pitch uh, last last week. Uh, they, so they you know, there's a variety. Old and old and fans did that, didn't they? Charlton fans did that. 
they had rubber ducks yeah. as well. And and also what West Brom fans doing with you know because it's such a visual demonstration, that photograph will be all over the papers. Sky will show it, and you know the police won't get involved because, as you say, it's it's non-violent. It's just it looks good and it sums up what the issues are at the club. Yes, so. Uh, it, it's a way of keeping attention. And there's always a danger that if a club goes on a run of good results, and I think this has always been part of the challenge for Manchester United fans who are opposed to the Glazers, that it's unusual for Manchester United to go on a really you know, a, a bad run for them. is not winning a match for three games. So it's very difficult to have a constant head of steam with regards to any campaign, unless you're, you're utterly crap. I mean, and you know, looking at the club I support, you know, Brighton had the advantage in in 1997 when it was campaigning against its owners that they were bottom of the fourth division of of English football for six months, and therefore, uh, you know, there there was there was not a lot to cheer. So therefore, there was quite a look quite easy to to have. Uh, a, a fairly coordinated and longer term campaign against the ownership group. If you're winning matches, people say, "Well, well look, yeah, you know, I don't like him, but you know, I just want to go and watch the match. We're on a good run. We'll sort it out some other time." Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Kieran, I was distracted. And what what were Brighton bottom of again? Did you say fourth tier English football? Really? Were they? they were, yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. They were as, as opposed to you know, being in the <laughs> Europa League draw this Friday. Oh, you must be excited. Oh, talking to West Brom, uh, Kieran, it's just occurred to me, on the last night I was in Edinburgh uh, two weeks ago, I bumped into our good friend Adrian Goldberg, who, oh, cool. who asked me to, very specifically asked me to send his regards to you, which uh, it just occurred to me I hadn't done. Uh, Adrian's mistake was, of course, wasn't to say, keep this secret, don't tell Kieran, in which case I would have phoned you up on the next morning and said, I bumped into Adrian Goldberg. Uh, just down the road from you, Kieran, is Lewis FC, a club that we've always spoken of in the the, the very highest of terms, proper community club. Um, but there's a, a development this week that some people involved with the club aren't that happy with, which is which is odd when you think what the development is. Yes, um, it looks as if Lewis's women's team could be the beneficiaries of investment from an American fund called Mercury 13. Now, by all accounts, this this particular fund and uh, Enia Luco, who is people know from uh, broadcasting, uh, people who know from uh, you know, being a professional footballer herself and a very high profile. Um, she's connected to this organisation, Mercury 13. And and their aim is to increase the visibility of the women's game. Uh, I think for a club such as Lewis, it has an existential problem in the sense that it can certainly carry on at present as community hub, community team, but the people there, some of the people there are, are, are very ambitious and, and they would like to reach the WSL. Can it do it on the present budget? It's going to be a real challenge, especially as we've got other clubs coming through. So therefore, is there the opportunity to do for a women's team, perhaps the equivalent of a, of a welcome to Wrexham by getting some high profile investors involved, by having a fund and taking the club to a higher level. So, so that's where we are. Um, I, I have been contacted 
by people on both sides of the offence. And, and I think it's probably best if I don't say anything more than that. Um, uh, but what you have to ensure that if there is a sale, then the club going forward would have to be co-owned with a series of checks and balances that protect all of the important things that we like in terms of history, heritage, the the role that it plays in the local town. Um, you know, I've I've been to see Lewis play, and it's it, it's you know for non league day, it's a great day out. And, and, and you know, I don't I don't drink alcohol, but you can you can sit there, you can have a chat, uh, you can you can have a pint, and uh, the, the opposing fans are, are welcome. Um, I, we we went there. I went there with the Baroness to see a match. And uh, afterwards, we were in. We got invited to the rector's box, which was very nice. And uh, the Baroness was was asked to to assist in going to and and, and this. And you you think Brighton is uh, is hipster? Lewis is where Brighton people go to be hip. <laughs> so so at the end end of the match, the, the the Baroness was marched off to the organic garden to get some organic spring onions for the player of the match award. What? So that's what the player of the match got—a bunch of spring onions. Yeah, organic. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's not the organic nature or otherwise of the spring onions that is the sticking point with the spring onions, Kieran. I'd say, I, I do understand. I, I, of course, if you're, you can see both sides of the argument. I, I fully understand those people who support Lewis with no ambition to get into the WSL because the reason they support the club is because of the. The values and commitment to sustainability, spring onions, that sort of thing, and I can understand why they would be saying to themselves, "Well, investors normally want something in return for their investment." Yeah, and it, and it is quite hard to imagine that somebody putting a lot of money in won't, at some stage, compromise what I think are the wonderful values of, of, of Lewis Football Club. And interesting as well, Kieran. I know this is not on on our agenda to talk about, but I know it's you know, Lincoln fans discussing today amongst themselves on Twitter, uh, you know, there's a possible fresh outside investor and Lincoln fans go, well, go, well we're, we're a very well-run, sustainable mm. club already with a very responsible chairman. Sure, you know, the, you know the, it, another investor could be rocking the boat, whereas other Lincoln fans are going, no, this is great. It will move us up a division. So very difficult to please all sets of fans in these circumstances, isn't it? Yes, yes. And um, I... I love a day out in Lewis. You know, yeah, it's, yes. it, it is good. Um, but yeah, I play cricket there. Got a good prison, good station. Yeah, lot, lot to be said for it. It's got a good prison. Yeah. Do they, do they mention that on TripAdvisor, Lewis Tourist Board? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, I mean the drip. I must go. I mean, it's got the best. We've said this before. It's the best football ground name in the world, isn't it? The the dripping pan. I mean, and I, I. Again, this is where we could use Babbel's services because I'd love to see Lewis get into the WSL and into the uh, Women's Champions League just to hear the manager of Bayern Munich in German say, well, fucking hell, was the dripping pan, basically. <laughs> um, apologies for the language. Um, this next story, Kieran, is about football. It's, it's got too many versions of, of FA it, it, in, this, in this story. It's, I'm going to allow you to unpick the various FAs in this story, Kieran. Yes, um, FIFA were reasonably successful in forcing through, on a global level, their 
desires to change the way that agents are treated. First of all, in terms of the remuneration of agents, uh, FIFA want to put a cap on that. Although you, you don't see the world cricket bodies saying there should be a cap on cricket, cricket agents or golf or, or NFL. But for some reason, football agents are different, according to these people. And also in terms of, and, and here I perhaps have got a little bit more sympathy for dual or, or triple re- representation. And, and the argument goes, is how can you represent a buyer, a seller, and uh, an individual? Yeah, and it's complicated, but that's certainly... Uh, certainly be the case. But it does appear that those FIFA rules are now trying to be applied by national football associations. And those rules could therefore come in as early as the 1st of October, i.e. you've got just over four weeks. So the Association of Football Agents, which is effectively the the trade body of the the big uh, agents, um, they're saying we want to put up a, a defence. We, we we feel that we've got grounds for appeal, but you're imposing this and you're not giving us enough time. So what's going to happen here? Spoke to a lawyer. And he says, well, you know, standard answer. It, it depends. Uh, it, it, it can get very messy. Could have been injunctions to try to say it's a restraint of trade and uh, that as we always say, that the lawyers will, will tend to be the, the winners here. Um, although I think it'd be unusual for an agent to say, you know, they're, they're, they're bleeding money from the game. Yeah. Also, FIFA have introduced an exam, haven't they, as well, which um, is apparently very difficult. Um, well, it, 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 it is, but yeah, as as somebody that has a professional qualification – to be a qualified doctor, you need to go through a series of medical exams. To be a qualified accountant, you need to go through a series. And you know, th- th- there's a reason why they're hard, because it, it does mean that those people that, that eventually do come through on that exit route um, have achieved a threshold. And it, it could prevent some of the more parasitical people being attracted to the industry at the same time we are fully aware of many family members who become agents for the the talented individual within the family. And that's a way of spreading the money amongst the family. And even if the player doesn't necessarily maximise what they can earn from wages, signing on fees, commercial deals, it it does allow the, the, the whole family to benefit on a broader basis. So it's it's complicated, as always. I like to think, Kieran, that one of the questions on the upcoming agents exam will be, your player won the Player of the Match Award at Lewis and was awarded some spring onions to the value of 35 pence. How do you account for that 35 pence? And <laughs> is that image rights? Does that go under image rights, Kieran, the 35p bunch of... Benefits in kind, Kevin. Oh, is that what it is? Benefits in kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do love a spare. We should let's call them scallions, Kieran, as a tribute. <laughs> um, it's not often, Kieran, that we get a cheery update on a story that we've covered in the past. But from North Wales, we have what looks like, on the face of it, a cheery update to a story we've covered in the past. Yes, and 
we're going to cover this. We're going to actually have somebody uh, from Landudno FC um, to to actually tell us the full story. But it looked at one point as if the the club was is, is in genuine danger of ceasing to exist. Um, but they now have uh, the deposit secured with regards to the replacing their artificial pitch, their three G pitch, and. It looks like we're going to be have matches taking place, and that can only be good because it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter the standard of football. It's the fact that you've got grown ups and kids and people who've got a sense of purpose going along to watch the match, even if they're serving a cup of tea or or, or do it, you know, mowing the grass, and, and that's that's good for everybody concerned. So we're well, probably not mowing a three G pitch. Thinking about it, yeah. um, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's a way of probably not a good way of spending the yeah. money um but we yeah we, we will be getting uh an interview with the club chairman in a few weeks just to explain and, and we did have him on when things weren't looking as positive as they are now yeah um as you know ali spent much of her childhood in Llandindo, uh and her friends from north wales always say you you've done exactly what all english people do kieran you get the clan bit right and then you mentally congratulate yourself on getting that bit right and completely gnaws up the did no bit, which we all, apparently there's no way an English person can properly pronounce it. The did not. It's, it's beautiful. It's a, there's nothing better than a Welsh accent, I think, Kieran, Scottish accent. Oh, I, I used to teach in North Wales. It was, did you? It was absolutely wonderful. Yes, yes. Right, uh, okay, I'll just hang on uh, a second. Near, near Betsy Coed. That's uh, uh, that's probably not how you pronounce it either, Kieran. But hang on, yeah, I'm just, no, it's probably not. I'm just, I've still got Australia is big written down from the last script. So <laughs> just underneath that, I've got Kieran's mother nun question mark, and now Kieran taught in North Wales. So that's two bits of information, one of which was much more interesting than the second one. Yes, <laughs> um, Kieran, you've done a very good job recently. We mentioned Chelsea right at the start. You've done a very good job in explaining, in a lucid, um, coherent way, how. Chelsea are managing to buy lots of players within the financial fair play rules. This next story from Chelsea, I can't see any way that you could lucidly and coherently explain this next story from Chelsea. A story that I think, Kieran, in its own way has made me as angry as any story that we've covered for a long time. Yes, there's an old phrase, isn't there? Penny wise, pound foolish. Mm. Well, in the case of Chelsea, it's Hundreds of millions of pounds foolish and penny very, very foolish. Um, there is a, there's called something called an away initiative. So I've, I've actually been in contact with the, the Premier League today, and I think it was in 2014. They, they introduced a series of protocols, one of which is the cap on away. Uh, away ticket prices, which uh, I think in, in the, the memo I got from them today, I think that's being uh, maintained until the end of 24, 25. We don't know what will happen then, but I'm sure there will be continued pressure from, from fans for that to, to be maintained. Um, but I think clubs had £200,000 to spend on a variety of initiatives. And sometimes the way that the club will do that is you know, for, for those fans that turn up to the last away match, they all get a you know they all get a t-shirt or a commemorative piece of kit or or the, uh, or a pie or, or a pint and 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 it goes down well. You know, I think it is genuinely appreciated. There is that you know there is sometimes a sense of disconnect. Now, in in the case of Chelsea, historically, what they have done, 
um, is that they've allowed fans to attend away matches on coaches. Now, let's be honest, Kevin. We wouldn't necessarily do that. And and sometimes there is a, a rather sneery view of the fans that go on the coaches as being, for want of a better phrase, the bobble-hatted brigade. You know, they are they might be slightly older, they, they might be perhaps a bit more gregarious than sort of the let's get to a let's get to a town or city early and find a pub, spend three or four hours there and then go to the match. Um but they are still committed as fans. But what you often do find is that it can quite often be multi-generational. So it can be grandparents and grandkids. It can be parents and grandparents and, and so on. And, and that's really good. Um, quite a few disabled fans who you know, otherwise might have you know, challenges accessing regular transport and the links um, might go through the that particular route. And in the case of Chelsea, historically, they've said, we're going to charge you a tenner, which is fantastic. So it also means that those Chelsea fans who are on limited resources, you know, that they, they've supported the club. You know, and you and I can both remember when Chelsea were getting crowds of 6,000, you know, in, uh, you know, in sort of, uh, in much different times compared to the, the success under the Abramovich era. Um, and the club has now said, we're going to get rid of that particular subsidy. And you say, well, OK, let's let's crunch the numbers. And the, the Chelsea Supporters Trust, and we, we've had somebody sort of, you know, who was indirectly connected with the trust on before, the Chelsea Supporters Trust, they crunch the numbers. They say, OK, the, the club is, is saving um, around about £250,000 a season. To put it on another way, probably about five days' wages for Romelu Lukaku. Now, I appreciate it's just gone on loan, but... Um, and... Chelsea and, and yeah, people say to me, well, yeah, this was this was more to do with the Abramovich era. Chelsea managed to find just shy of fifty million pounds to give bonuses to uh, Marina and Bruce, who are these effectively the, the two people in charge of the club. Um, that's the equivalent of one hundred and ninety nine years of this subsidy, which they give to away fans. The the Chelsea Supporters Trust themselves have paid for the subsidy to be maintained for the next away game as as just a a two fingers towards the club. But I think this is a further indication of people who are in charge of a football club who do not understand one iota about the importance of football to fans. And they will say, we could spend that money elsewhere. Ultimately, we're responsible to our investors, um, and and then of course they'll they'll be seen busy trying to sign you know another ten players, and they don't see the optics, and that that concerns me more than anything else. If Bowley and Clear Lake want to spend a lot of money, and they convince they can say on the right side of financial fair play, yeah, that's possible. You know, we, yeah, that that's that's. That, that's for that's for the spreadsheet nerds to to have their fun and games with, but this is this is just petty and mean spirited and small minded, and it stinks. 
I'm a Palace fan, Kieran. We we have no great love for Chelsea and vice versa because of some recent transfer business uh, between your clubs. Brighton fans have no love for Chelsea either. But this this is the tinniest of, of tinniest, Kieran. The, the the only way I can be slightly generous here is is to suggest that the Americans who now run the club have got no inkling into fan culture because fans don't travel to away games in American sport in general. So maybe the, the idea of fans travelling to away games confuses them, although, of course, they're quick to go on the pitch at the end to salute the fans in the ground. It, it might be that, along with some football fans, they think that all Chelsea fans are, are loaded, are rolling in it, so can afford cars to go to games or can afford train fares. It just isn't the case. I, I was like you, Kieran. I, I did 11 seasons of Match Today 2 travelling all over the country with fans of different clubs. A lot of those were on coaches. And beforehand, I used to be you know, absolutely like you. Coaches were for middle-class fans. Coaches were for fans that weren't easy. They're not coaches of fat, you know, blind fans, older fans, less able fans, fans who just want to go door-to-door, who don't want the, the worry or the anxiety of being in a new town or getting out of a new station. As you say, so many cross-generational fans, older fans, it's a, it's a great, safe way for kids to go to away games. There is a, a kind of hearty atmosphere, but that's not right. And also, going by coach, it's the cheapest option for a lot of people. It, it's the, probably the, it, it's, it's the most convenient in your going door-to-door, but it's the slowest. It's the least glamorous. But they're, they're fans of your club. How? Why would you make it harder for fans of your club to get to games, especially fans that find it difficult? You know, we spoke to that brilliant young blind fan recently who told us how difficult it was and how 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 the coach was such a boon to somebody like this. is It's, it's beyond petty, Kieran. And the, the, you could, you know, if we're talking about a, a, a League Two club or a National League club saying, I'm sorry, but we can no longer afford this subsidy, you'd go... Well, that's a terrible reflection of the times we live in. But this is Chelsea, Kieran. This is—it's not even changed down the back of a sofa, and the, the amount of bad PR it buys them is just—it it just begs. It, it really has annoyed me. This story it's angered me. Like I say, beyond so many stories that have happened recently, it's just these fans that travel through. And like you say, we both remember the times when you know, supporting Chelsea, Stamford Bridge was the worst shithole in the world. It's no wonder people wanted to go to away games because they didn't want to go to Stamford Bridge. But these are fans that have supported the club for years who are bringing the next generation of fans to come along and they get treated like this. It's just... And then Burley will sit there in his hand-knitted silk... No, you can't hand-knit a silk scarf, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Uh, um, it's wrong, Kieran. It's wrong. But let's 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 finish with a, a, a good story, Kieran. And it's again, this is not down to us, but it's a story that we, we publicised and we brought some visibility to. And it's about uh, women's football. We had a story which was negative about women's football earlier, Kieran, but this one is a happy ending for this show. Yeah, we've spoken about the tin ears of of many people, many stakeholders connected to football, including gambling companies, including club executives, including sometimes football associations. Mm. And this one was Nike. Nike is a very successful organisation. And it had made a commercial decision to not manufacture uh, women's goalkeeper shirts in children's sizes because it estimated that the market simply was so small 
that it wouldn't make a lot of money from it. Up steps Mary Earps, saves, saves a penalty in the World Cup final and achieves legendary status with her uh, celebration of that event. <laughs> um, she had campaigned pre the tournament. And again, we, we had addressed this. Um, Nike have now said that there's going to be a limited number of shirts available, not just for England, I think for four or five of the other nations as well. So those those young girls who want to be Mary Earps. And you know, one of the ways that you do that is is to wear the shirt of of the people that you admire. They will now be able to do so. Um, one would hope that Nike will give all of the profits to youth football in those countries because it wouldn't be sit, want to be seen to be profiting from making a dumb decision in the first place. Yeah, now we have some good news, Kieran. We've got we haven't had an interview for a while, but tomorrow we have one of our special interviews. It's with Mark Roberts, who's the chief constable of Cheshire, but he's also the national lead for football policing. He's in charge of policing abroad when England play there. He used to be the police officer in charge of uh, Old Trafford on match days. Uh, so he's going to join us to talk about all things um, policing football and especially the cost to us of that. I'm looking forward to that very much. In the meantime, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that'd be very kind of you. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash price of football. We've now added a new benefit for our £5 a month subscribers, our ultras. We've set up a Discord channel and we'll be doing live half-hour chats on there once a month. In fact, we've just confirmed that our first one will happen at 7 o'clock tonight. Tonight, Kieran, it's Thursday, August the 31st. So if you'd like to chat with the two of us or producer Guy, sign up for our £5 a month option and we'll see you there this evening. Um, I think it's going to be popular, Kieran, because um, in, in, in despite all our previous promises never to rehearse or practice anything, we, we went on there today, Kieran, just to make sure that we knew how it worked. And lo and behold, words seemed to get round and we ended up talking to loads of people on Discord during our five-minute rehearsal, which was only interrupted by me pressing the wrong button and disappearing for two minutes. But I tried to put a photograph of myself up, or at the very least, an emoji of a confused kitten. Um, but that's, that, So that's why we rehearsed, so that won't happen tomorrow night. And if I do suddenly disappear to be replaced by an emoji of a confused kitten, I'm sure you can carry on chatting to Kieran. Because let's face it, Kieran, it's you they want to talk to. It's not me. But I'm looking forward to that, Kieran, because we've got quite a lot of ultras at £5 a month. Um, and also, we're considering, Kieran, um, as another reward for all our patrons, uh, a quiz to mark the launch of our new book somewhere in October. Um, uh, I say we've been talking about it, Kieran. I've just decided we're going to do it. Uh, Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it is, and that's what happens when you um, pour yourself a second glass of wine halfway through the pod of an evening. You just get you get bold. Basically, I might start telling you some secrets in a minute. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And finally, if you'd like to pre-order our new book, Unfit and Improper Persons, An Idiot's Guide to Owning a Football Club, or one of the other books, get yourself a Price of Football t-shirt or some of our new merch that's coming up. Then you can go to our new look website at priceoffootball.com. We'll be back on Monday with our questions pod. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, thanks as always for your support. Um, we will be launching the book at WordFest in Blackpool 
on the 12th of October. I think we are just about to confirm an appearance at uh, Salford Lowry Theatre as well uh, for, for later that month. We'll, those dates will be up on the website. Um, and uh, I was at Salford Lowry last month. In fact, no, last night. Last night, um, yeah. Uh, for the for the PFA awards, I I just hope we're not in the main theatre, um, because there, there was, the lights were very the lights were very bright. Kevin, I'll say no more than that. We're, we're not in the uh, we're not in the main theatre, Kieran. We're in the four hundred seater. Um, Matt Letizia refused to appear in the four hundred seater because there's a slight curvature, which <laughs> went across his greatest fear. So no, we're not, no. I mean, we're good, Kieran, but um, I think Alistair Campbell. Uh, might feel that the main theatre of his pod, but we're working towards that, Kieran. We're in the we're in the four hundred seat, and we will. It's ninety nine percent certain it will be on Sunday, the twenty second of October. We're just trying to get some proper guests confirmed, and we'll let you all know. Yes, and there will be other dates announced soon. Yeah. Um, there's various ways you can support the show, and thank you so much to everybody who's on Patreon. The other way that you can do that is to use your app and to give us a review it helps us in the charts it helps us when we are trying to persuade guests to come on the show and uh it doesn't matter what you say you could even say you would rather have the show presented by isaac newton and matt letizia <laughs> and that would be a show and a half between different <laughs> powers of science versus alternate beliefs I just love the idea about Letizia. What are you catching them apples for? <laughs> just, uh, and then Isaac Newton saying, look, see the way the apple rolls away? And Letizia saying, no, it doesn't because the world's flat. You kick that apple. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. I sent for the ball. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.